0: Will Jesus go ahead and tell us who he is? Find out today on this edition of Bible Study Podcast. Welcome to Bible Study Podcast. My name is Justin and I'm thrilled to be with you tonight. It's been a little bit since we've been together, so it feels great to be back with you again this week. For those of you who have asked and prayed for my head, and I'd just like to tell you thank you and it's doing a lot better. So uh, thanks for your concern and thanks for your prayers. I'd like to welcome those of you who are listening to this podcast for the first time and encourage everyone that if you have anything you'd like to tell me or ask me or give me to pray for you or or anything, please feel free to contact me at Bible Study Podcast, Justin at gmail.com. With that said, let, let's go before our God in prayer. Our Lord and our Father, we, we thank you for the grace to come before you once more. We are all sinners who deserve death, but you have made a way for us to be healed of our sin disease by trusting in your Son, Jesus, who died for our sake. And for that, we are most grateful. Help us to know you more tonight as we see you answer the question of who you are. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I'd like to ask you to uh, turn in your copy of God's Word with me to John chapter 10. And if you're able to do that, I'd really love to help you follow along with me here. I I know with me personally, it helps a lot of times to be able to see it as someone else is reading it. So, you know, if it's safe for you to do so, if you're not driving around or Whatever the case may be, please turn with me to John chapter 10. We'll be starting tonight at verse 22. And as you find your way there, I'll let you know a story that was told to me recently by one of my colleagues. Not too long ago, a former president went to visit a nursing home. And once he got there, he walked up to a woman in a wheelchair, tried to be polite, but quickly he found that this was not going to be a conversation he would be able to carry on very long. After some time of trying to speak with this woman, in desperation, the president finally asks the woman, Ma'am, do you know who I am? Without batting an eye, the woman responded, Well, no, sir, I I don't know who you are. But if you go up to that desk, they sure can tell you. You see, sometimes we really just can't remember who others are, but, but sometimes it's not a matter of knowing what the person's name is, but rather, it's a matter of knowing who that person truly is. And this is exactly what we will run into in our passage tonight, so let's get right into the background of tonight's passage as we read John 10, verses 22-24. At that time, the Feast of the Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now let's set the stage a bit and get into our passage. The time which John is speaking of here is, by most scholars' estimate, about two months after the beginning section of John 10 and the parable of the shepherd we've been going through the last few weeks. So there's been a bit of time, hence the term, why are you keeping us in suspense? Now the feast of dedication that's taking place here is actually one of the few feasts that we should fairly well know for most of us today, because it's actually a feast that we call Hanukkah was formed to commemorate the purification of the temple in 165 BC after being defiled by Antiochus Epiphanes. See, under the leadership of Judas Maccabees, Israel had fought hard to regain the temple and to cleanse it, taking part in a battle lasting eight days. The tale of Hanukkah, which is also called the Festival of Lights, is that there was only enough oil to burn the lamp of the temple one night. And yet it lasted for the entire eight nights, giving the Israelites the courage to fight on to victory. And while the victory was short-lived, the people still remembered this as the time when God provided for them in their time of greatest need. So it is at this festival that we find Jesus walking among the temple courts when the Jews gather around him and ask him the question we just read, How long will you keep us in suspense? Are you the Christ or not? If you are, tell us. Is it not interesting that as the people are celebrating the time when God provided for their needs, they're taking the time to ask Jesus the ultimate answer to our needs, who he truly is? As they celebrate the festival of lights and the feast of dedication, they're asking the light of the world, what is his identity? That's just a thought for you to ponder there, but having set the stage and having given the question that was posed by the Jews, let's read on into verses 25 through 30 as we begin to see Jesus' answer. And it reads, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The first thing that we see in Jesus' answer is that the question is not one of fact, but rather one of faith. Now let me explain what I mean here, because I don't want you to read into this statement more than I'm saying. I'm not saying that there is any kind of a split in our knowledge between faith and fact, or faith and reason. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying... The problem here is that the Jews are not having trouble with the matter of who Jesus is. They know that this is Jesus. But instead, it's a problem of what the Jews are willing to believe about Jesus. They know who he is as a person, but they're not willing to believe that he is the Christ. So let's look at Jesus' answer, and you'll see what I mean. He begins by saying that he has already told them whether he was the Christ or not, but they don't believe in fact, Jesus here gives the same answer he's given throughout John. Because, you see, he does not expect you to blindly believe that he is a Christ. No, instead, he has given signs of his true identity. There's evidence to back up his claims. You see, the works, the works he tells us that he's done in the Father's name, they testify of him, namely that he is indeed the Son of God as he's claimed. Just as a side note for us as believers here, I find it interesting that the proof that Jesus gives of his own identity is the works which he performs. You know, he he really doesn't have to do that. He could just say, hey, I'm God, that's it. But instead, he appeals to his works. He appeals to something tangible, something can be seen. The miracles do not make him God, but rather they attest to the fact that he is God. I think this is something we should... Remember, and we, should, we would do well to live out as we aspire to follow in the ways of our Lord. Many of us remember Ephesians 2, verses 8-10, through 10, that reads, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. See, we're not saved by our works. No, we're saved by grace. But we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. In other words, we're not saved by works, but we are saved into works. The new man, the one who is regenerated by Christ, he is made for good works. And as Matthew 7 points out, the good tree produces good fruit and the bad trees produce bad fruit. And so as Matthew 7 verse 20 concludes, You're known by the fruit you produce. In the same light, Jesus here tells us that even his claims are backed up by his deeds. He is fully consistent. So as those who follow Christ, we should seek to live our lives in such a way that people can know we are Christians by the deeds we do. You know, we shouldn't be afraid to tell people, but we should also be living in such a way that when people look to us, they can know we're Christians because we are fully consistent consistent in the way that we act. But in our passage here, we see that the problem is really a question of belief. That leads us to the next thing we see in Jesus' answer. And as the reason why the Jews do not believe. The reason is, they're not of his sheep. You see, the reason that the Jews, as well as our friends and neighbors who have not trusted Christ as their Savior... The reason they don't believe is because they haven't become a part of a sheep. They're still in that sin nature, and they haven't followed Christ. If I could, I'd like to remind you that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1 that the message of the cross seems like foolishness to the world, that they look upon us and see us as fools. But the truth of the matter is that the message of the cross is the power and the wisdom of God. But from their viewpoint, as sinners, as those who have not been cleansed by the blood of Christ... Just looks as foolishness. May we pray always that our lost friends will realize this and repent and will believe on Christ Jesus for salvation. You see, the Jews' problem was that they did not believe, and so Jesus revisits the parable of the Good Shepherd once more in order to show them what those who are in his flock are like. I would really encourage you as you read through this, go back to the earlier parts of John chapter ten and see how many parallels. I counted a number of parallels to what he had said earlier. You see, those who are in his flock, they hear his voice. They follow him. And as a result, Jesus knows them. He gives them eternal life. He promises that they will never perish. But notice the final clause in verse 28. Jesus says that no one will snatch his sheep out of his hand. This is significant as Jesus is directly contrasting himself with the wolf in the shepherd parable back in John 10:12. See, whereas the wolf, who you may remember, represented Satan, he came only to snatch and scatter, those who are in Jesus' hand can never be snatched. For those of you who were wondering, this is the exact same Greek word used in both instances. Is this not a beautiful picture for us as believers? Not only does Jesus give us eternal life and promise we'll never perish, but he goes even further to say that Satan can never snatch us away from him. We are safe in Jesus' hand, and we are secure in him. The final thing that we see in Jesus' answer is his relation to the Father. Notice verse 29, as Jesus says that his Father has given the sheep to him, and is greater than all, a statement that the Jews would certainly agree with. But notice the end of verse 29. No one is able, Jesus says, to snatch the sheep from his Father's hands. This is the exact same wording he used in describing his relation to the sheep. What's the message here? Well, the comparison here is not just left dangling. Instead, Jesus tells the Jews what he means exactly in verse 30. He and the Father are one. This is a huge statement for the Jews. They believe in the Father. In fact, they're celebrating the Father's workings in their very lives and in the lives of their ancestors at this festival. But Jesus has said something more than they could have imagined. Not just that he is a man of God, not just that he does works of God, but he is indeed God himself. He is one with the Father. May I remind you here of what John would later write in First John 2.23 in describing those who are of the spirit of the Antichrist. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. See, we talked about this earlier in this very gospel. You can't choose one person of God. You have to believe in the true God. The God who exists as one being in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's no other way than this. I mean, this is the very flaw of the Jehovah's Witnesses and of the Mormons. The Jehovah's Witnesses' picture of God is as our loving Father. But their view of Jesus is as just a great man. And as we see here, that does not line up. You don't have the loving Father without the Son. He's one. The Mormons run into the same dilemma. Jesus is not another God who became a God. No, He is one with the Father. To say that you can believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and to say that you are leading people to Him while you're saying that Jesus was a created being who became God is a lie. You are acting in the spirit of Antichrist and you're not sharing the true gospel. This is why the doctrines we've spoken of on this podcast and on many others on BibleStudyPodcast.org are so important. This is why we must learn these doctrines of the Trinity, of the nature of Christ. Because to say that God is not one being and three persons, or to say that Jesus is not one person with two natures, is to lie. And is to lead others astray. But we can see that the Jews fully understand that Jesus is claiming to be God here. And, and although some of the liberal theologians of our day and of the days past would argue and say, no, he's not claiming that. He's just claiming he's living life the way God would want. The Jews don't read it that way. They know that he has said he is one with the Father. And so in verse 31, they pick up stones to stone him. They seek to kill him. Let's read verses 32 and 33, where Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? And the Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. So referring back to his works once again, Jesus asks them, Why do you seek to kill me? But their answer is somewhat interesting. They do not deny that he is performing good works or even the works of God. No, they totally sidestep it and say, No, we're trying to kill you because you blaspheme you have blasphemed against the nature of God because you have said that you are God. Now part of the charge is true. Jesus has said that he is God. But the legal charge of blasphemy, is that true? Should they stone him? That's the very question that is at hand here. But for that, you'll have to tune in next week as we'll finish up chapter 10 and we'll see how Jesus defends himself before the Jewish leaders. Should be a great time, so please come back and join me next time as we finish this chapter of the Gospel of John. And friends, that's all we're going to cover tonight. So until we meet again, may God bless and keep you. We'll be right back.
1: we This lesson has been brought to you by Bible Study Podcasts.org, a para ministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener supportive ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture. We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to Him keep growing closer to Jesus. To you. He wants to love you, he wants you to love him.